This morning we're going to be talking to you about bread. And not just about bread. We didn't bring you here just to discuss all of the different types of bread, but you'll see that it sets the scene for an interesting metaphor on this morning. And what is so exciting, thank you, Michael, what's so exciting about bread and us being a multicultural church is bread is just about one of those things that you'll find in every part of the world in one way, shape, or another. Am I right? Now, you might go into Mexican territory and you'll find tortilla. And you may go into places where Indian food is preferred and you'll find the naan bread. Anybody ever had the naan bread at the Mediterranean restaurants? Yeah? Here, you might even go to Panera Bread and get your sample of all different types of breads from all over across the world. But one thing about bread is really universal, but something else about bread is for most of us, we consider it to be really ordinary. Nothing spectacular about it. As fact, we really don't prefer it as the main course, right? It's something that when we go to the restaurant, they give us to hold us off until we really get the main course. But when we think about bread over history, we realize that not only was it a building block or a staple of a meal, but even in the book of Exodus in chapter 16, verse 4, it was the meal, correct? Do you remember the bread known as manna? So bread isn't new. Bread isn't unfamiliar. It's universal. It's timeless. And yet it still has this ordinary characteristic. Today I want us to kind of consider ourselves as bread. Today I want you to consider yourself as bread, but not just any old bread. Bread in the hands of your master. We're going to talk about that for a moment. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Luke chapter 9. Thank you, Anna. Verses 10 through 12. And this is going to set the scenery for what we're going to discuss on this morning. Luke chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, there are ushers that are gracious enough to run one to you very quickly. So just kind of motion to them. No need to be ashamed. No need to make a fuss. We will have one for you. But for those of you who are there, say amen, and I'll know that you have gotten to your scripture with me. All right. It's also on the screen if you're able to read it from afar. But I recognize you might have a little difficulty seeing it. So I'm going to read it for you into your hearing. And it reads at verse 10. When the apostles returned, they described for Jesus what they had done. Taking them with him, Jesus withdrew privately to a city called Bethsaida. When the crowds figured it out, they followed him. He welcomed them, spoke to them about God's kingdom, and healed those who were sick. When the day was almost over, 
the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so that they can go to the nearby villages and countryside and find lodging and food because we are in a deserted place. Luke records three stories in the gospel about Jesus taking bread. And we won't read all three stories, but I want you to know that there is a pattern that Jesus can be found to be following every time he takes bread. The first pattern you'll see is that he, he blesses it. In every instance when he takes the bread, the very first thing he does is he blesses it. I need you to understand that in the hands of Jesus, if we are to follow this metaphor, if we are to consider ourselves for just a moment as bread, that in the hands of Jesus, we are blessed. We are blessed. We'll talk about this in week two in great details as we begin this sermon series. But for now, just say to yourself, I am blessed. And when we get to week two, you will reveal, we will reveal that blessed is not just this Instagram hashtag blessed while you're experiencing something really great. But blessed is actually something much deeper than that. And in the context of this series, we're going to discover that for us, blessed is also about having your true identity being discovered. This is kind of hard for me because I know where we're going and I'm trying to contain myself to where I'm supposed to be right today. But I get so excited about that. I get so excited about being blessed in knowing who I am in Christ. I don't know about you, but I spent a great deal of my life trying to figure out who that was and trying to fit into other people's expectations for me and trying to walk the walk that others thought that I should walk. I mean, think about it for a second. Try going to undergraduate school and law school and having $100,000 in loans and telling everybody I'm going to go preach the gospel. There was a box for me. And you should stay in this box because this is the plan that we have for you. <laughs> what a liberty in getting out of that box, that confined space, Stacy, that other people try to define you as and stepping out of it and becoming who God created you to be. Man, now I can truly say I am blessed. Amen? Number two. We're going to discuss in week three in great detail, but I'll tell you a little bit about it today. The other thing you'll see Jesus doing in this pattern when he takes bread after he blesses it is he always breaks it. You see, 
in the hands of Jesus, one of the things that we have a hard time admitting as Christians is we also see our lives become broken. Because we wanted to buy into this myth that I'm going to go to the altar, I'm going to give my life to Christ, I'm going to be baptized, I'm going to come up again, and everything is going to be raining roses afterwards, right? We'll skip through the lily fields, we'll sing together, and we'll dance our way into heaven. But that's not the reality, is it? It's not the reality, and part of that is for good reason. We need God to come and shatter the things in our life that don't reflect him. When he comes and we really receive him and we really commit our life to him, there's going to be an awakening and a little bit of a shakening. And some things may begin to be broken. Things that at the time you may not rejoice about, but you look back later and you say, thank you, Lord, for, for, for what you had to put in order. Relationships that were broken. People you thought you would always be friends with. But that were not in alignment with the purpose that God had for your life. And so when we talk in week three about brokenness, we're going to actually see that there's three different separate types of brokenness. And that no matter which type it is, we can give it to Jesus and put it in his hands. The first type we'll discuss of our brokenness comes from our frailties, our weaknesses, our finite, uh, finiteness, our limitations. And the second one is going to come from our failure, our sin, our particip participation in the spread of wickedness. And then the third type we'll describe will come from the pain of living in a fallen world the suffering that we may experience. So not all of our brokenness is the same. As you'll see when we get here, some of it is a little bit self-inflicted. Some of it is inevitable. But no matter how the pain, the suffering, the, the inconvenience comes, we are going to discover that there is a way that we can receive hope. And then last but not least in this pattern, after Jesus takes this bread, after he blesses this bread, and after he breaks this bread, we know this pattern ends with him doing what? Giving it. Over and over again, we'll see this, not just in Luke, but my daughter and I were talking about how we see this in the Gospels and how we see this repeatedly being something that Jesus does. And when we give it in the hands of Jesus as we think of ourselves this morning as bread. And I know this might be a strange metaphor and it might take us a minute to really grab it, like it, accept it. But it really is applicable. And if we see ourselves as being bread, and we see ourselves as being in the hands of Jesus, then we realize that he gives us. The song we were saying, I give myself away. Why? So you can use me. He uses us for his glory. He gives us away. Our life becomes truly blessed when it is broken in Jesus' hands and he gives us out 
for the life of the world. This way, and in this fashion, in this pattern, we become the way that others find the bread of life. As I was studying this, I, I, I began to realize that that broken piece is so uncomfortable. But as I was looking at the loaf of bread, I thought to myself, there's no way to give it away except you break a piece off. There's no way for us to experience and for God to use us unless we go through this pattern. So let's talk about what God did in Luke, what we just looked at in Luke chapter 9, if you're still there in verses 10 through 12. So we see that he does these three steps, but what I also want us to see this morning as we prepare for this sermon series is that we are an intricate part of God's plan. Tell somebody you're a part of God's plan. Now see, this is the part that I think that we miss because we feel that we're a little bit like this bread in the fact that we're just ordinary. I mean, use me? I'm ordinary. I get up, I go to work, I come home, go to bed, repeat. Like there's nothing spectacular like how are you going to use me? You know, I get up, I get the kids ready, I send them to school, I pick them up, we have dinner, we go to bed, repeat. I mean, it's ordinary. I get up, I go to school, I listen to my teachers, come home, I do homework, go to sleep, wake up, repeat. Ordinary. So, and I've been here and I remember that feeling. That ordinary feeling sometimes brings a sense of senselessness. Like, is this all there is to life? Is this all I'm going to do? I'll never forget when I first had that feeling, and, and I think I may have shared this testimony a, a few years ago for some of you who have been listening for a while. But I experienced that right at the height of what I thought was going to be everything being perfect and all things being roses. And that was because I had like this little checklist. I don't know if any of you have a checklist for yourself. But I had this checklist for myself, and I remember the checklist was, okay, get good grades, pass the bar, go to a good firm, live happily ever after. And so after, you know, what was really a significant struggle of, of going through law school and then hearing the horror stories of people who took the bar five, six, seven times and still didn't pass. You know, for me, I was fixated. If I could just check these boxes, if I could just take this bar and pass the bar and then get my job and then everything's just going to be amazing. And so God was so gracious. He allowed me to pass the bar on the first try and then he allowed me to have this wonderful job lined up for me. And I tell you, Brother Charles, after about the fourth month of me waking up, getting in the car, going to work, coming home, going to sleep, and repeating, I said, come on now, wait, I'm, we, let's, let's talk about this plan again. 
there's got to be something more. And as I began to seek God, it was at this moment that he began to reveal to me, yeah, there is something more. Are you sure you want to see it? <laughs> yes, there's something more. It may require you to abandon your plans and come follow my plans. Yes, there's something more. That something more is called your purpose. And so tell me when you're serious, do you really want to know why I created you? And do you really want to begin to walk in that purpose? See, in that decision making, I had to say, yes, God, I give myself to you so you can use me. And I can't put parameters on how you use me. I can't give you the instructions. I give myself to you to use me in the way that you desire. And in that moment, in that experience of being able to say, okay, Lord, where are we going now? Now what are we doing? Beginning to see that he does something that I want you all to see he's doing in our lives collectively. And if you look here closely at the scripture and you see that Jesus multiplies the bread, but guess what he does after he multiplies the bread, Anna? Here's what I need you to catch. If Jesus could perform the miracle of multiplying the bread, could he not have performed the miracle of just distributing the bread as well? Right? Did he really need us? Did he need the disciples? I mean, he's God in the flesh. He just took two pieces of fish and five loaves of bread and multiplied it. Something we've never seen. Surely, if he could do that, he could distribute it too. But did he? The scripture records that the disciples, they got to do that part. So let me get this right. The disciples were anticipating being the bearers of bad news. The disciples were anticipating having to go back and saying, it's been fun guys, <laughs> time to scattle along, you know, go find yourself something to eat, go get somewhere to stay, you know, it's over now. That was what they were anticipating being required to do. Because as they had assessed the scenario, this is a desolate place. There's nowhere from within this place that we can meet this need. And it was, in the natural, quite an accurate assessment. But nevertheless, Jesus, Jesus, you know what, what I love about this, I mean, really, let's think about this for a second. I love for us to take the scriptures and not just kind of read it and zoom through them, but to just get in it and be there and say, God, what are you saying to me when you share this with me? And think about that for a second, because Jesus really could have just, he could have stole the whole show, multiplied the bread, distributed the bread, and everyone just say, oh, you're so amazing. 
he was very intentional in giving the disciples an assignment in this plan. I, I multiplied it, but I want you to distribute it. Imagine how exciting that was for those who in their mind as well were probably thinking, all right, we got a long trek to get back home and we're going to probably be starving and we're probably, and for him to be able to say, no, 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 no. Look, we've got bread for you. You can eat. See, I hope that we can catch that just as the disciples were able to go back and to tell the crowd, I've got bread for you. The way the Holy Spirit gave this to me, he said, you can go back and tell the crowd, I've got hope for you. I've got peace for you. I've got joy for you. I've got salvation for you. You don't have to live like this. You don't have to continue to stay in this desolate place. See, I really need us to catch this because we are the kind of people that can easily get overwhelmed by the problems that other people bring to us. Because in the natural, there really is no answer for them. So we become depressed. I don't know about you, but there have been times where I have literally have to say, you know what, I can't even scroll my Facebook feed because, oh my goodness, do you see what's happening? This person is going through this experience and this person is in this area of lack and this person. And so we become discouraged because in our minds, we don't have an answer for you. Someone calls us on the phone and they're like, listen, I am going through. I don't have any idea where I'm going to get the money to pay my rent this month. This is my third time being late. And you're going, I hope you weren't thinking I was going to loan you the money. But we're missing that. It has nothing to do with whether or not we have the bread. And it has everything to do with how we know to give it to him so that he can multiply it. And as we begin to go through that process, that we don't go through that process just for our own benefit, but that we go through that process and then when Jesus gives us back out, we're able to lead someone else to the bread of life and say, you know what? From this day forward, I want you to start approaching your situations a little bit differently. Let me take you to the Father. I don't have the answer for you, but I know how to pray. Let's pray together. Do you understand the load that you will feel come off of you when you stop trying to figure out how to solve everyone's problems? Especially, I think about this for young people. You know, we can feel helpless at times because when people come to us and we're in school and we think about our friends and we think about the things, you guys need to understand we really are blessed. Everyone does not have what you have. You sit in school next to children who probably didn't have breakfast and maybe didn't even have dinner. And you're worried about when can I get the iPhone 11? When you get a job. 
They are looking in need of you because you may not be able to go in their house and stop their dad from beating them before they go to sleep at night. But you can pray with them. And you just don't know how God will choose to move. That dad may go in Best Buy and steal a, 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 a charger and get arrested and have to go to jail for the next 10 years and won't be able to touch that child ever again. You just don't know. We've got to stop thinking that I personally need the answer. I personally have to solve it for them. I personally have to have the solution. And sitting up and scheming with them and devising with them and trying to come up with how we're going to fix the problem. We do them a disservice if we do that because we don't get, they don't get a chance to see that Jesus is the bread of life. If we keep fixing their problems, Charmaine, they never get to know Jesus. Or maybe we're that person that wants everyone to fix everything. And no one's challenged us yet. Maybe we're that person that we went to them for help. And, and can you believe all I needed was $50 and they wouldn't give it to me? Well, it must have been a lot. You didn't have it. It's, it may not be what God desires for them to solve it for you. Because you may be at the point in your life where God is trying to get you to come to the source. He wants to be the one that shows you, I am the God of multiplication. And this is amazing to me how God is doing this. Every single week, that I come before you, God is showing that for me first. Because see, this is the week, this week, somebody say this week. This is the week that we close on the purchase of this property. Amen? And we also still have to believe God this week for the balance of what we need to bring to closing. Amen? So do we get on the phone and start calling people and begging people and, and demanding the people? You, you, come on, you bring your gold, you sell your jewelry, you mortgage your house. Do we do that? Or do we go to the God who multiplies and say, God, look, we've been faithful. God, look, from the moment you gave us access, look what we did. We didn't wait and say, no, I'm not doing no improvements into the property transfer because what if? I mean, what if we don't? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I believe you supply. Amen? God calls, God provides. So this is our land, right? So we, we possess the land. We walk in the land. We clean the land. We set up the land. We beautify the land. We invite the people to come into the land. We feed the people. We nourish the people. We pray with the people. God, it's your job to provide the money. Come on, we believe you, God. We believe you, God. Why do I even share that with you? So that you can see that I am not teaching you something that I don't have to apply myself. I have to walk this walk just like you every day. 
New levels, new devils. Right? So I need you to understand that no matter where you get, no matter how high you go, there is always going to be if you're walking with Jesus. Now here's the thing I need you to get. And many of you have heard this testimony. We saw another property that was half the price, less than half the price. And if we wanted to walk in according to our flesh, we could have got that. That would have been paid off. But you know what I believe by faith, Gail? It'd still be me and you sitting there. Because see, y'all don't know the testimony. It was just me and Gail for like seven months. <laughs> no, seriously. Am I lying, Gail? Every morning, every Sunday, I got up with a mighty word to teach Sister Gail for seven months. Because we weren't where God wanted us to be. And then finally, God felt sorry for me and he sent Amber and Levada to come and sit with us, right? <laughs> so it's me, Sister Gail, Sister Amber, Sister Levada, and that's it for another, what, seven months. And so we had a decision to make. Let's see. Do I do what God says do, even though I don't have enough to do it? Or do I continue to walk in what's comfortable, what I can do in my own strength and in my own effort where I won't really need God? I believe with everything that's in me, had I did that, I'd still be looking at Sister Gail. And I love you, Sister Gail. You're beautiful to look at. But God wanted to reach more than one soul. Amen. Amen. God wanted to set an atmosphere where you could come. Where you could use your gifts that had been sitting dormant. Where you would be able to move again and flow again and be free again and experience him in a new way. Where you would be able to be the hands and feet. God said, I need to multiply. You, it's only so much you and Sister Gail going to be able to do for the calling I have. I need to get Charmaine back in ministry. I need to get Teresa back in ministry. I need to get Stacy back in ministry. I need to get Liz back in ministry. Do you understand what I'm saying to you, Randy? And so that meant we had to come somewhere and occupy a land that was much bigger than we could ever imagine and just trust God to provide. I believe God's going to provide. There's not a shadow of a doubt in my mind. I don't even know how he's going to do it. He's just that kind of guy. He's just going to blow my mind. He's that kind of guy. He's the kind of guy we can go into the clothes and they can say, thank you for transferring all that money this morning. We'd be like, what money? That's the kind of God I serve. And I would never get to know that if somebody always came on a white horse and rescued me and gave me everything I needed. That's what God wants us to understand on this morning. We are done waiting on other people to come and rescue us. Come on now. So what? They cut your benefits in half. You're not going to need their benefits anymore. So much that they denied your disability. You're not going to need disability no more. Come on, somebody. So what? He took everything and left you. It's all right. You don't need him anymore. God is your provider. And 
he will multiply what you have if you give it to him and let him bless it. And then he will give you the honor of saying, now I did all the hard part. I did the heavy lifting. Now you just go tell what I did. You just go brag on me. Come on. You just go tell somebody that I was about to be put out. The note, the tent, what is it? The three-day notice? The three-day notice was on the door. But then God supplied. And, and God is telling me to make sure I share this with you. He doesn't always supply by sending the money. Sometimes he'll send favor. Favor is better than money. Come on now. Favor is better than money. Favor is better than money. Favor will tell you keep your money in your pocket. I got this. Hey, glory. Hallelujah. Favor will say, you know what? Don't even worry about the, the extra amount you don't have. God told me, we were praying, and, and the Lord said, just give it to you. That's the kind of God we serve. So don't box him up. Remember we talked about that box? Don't box him up. God is free to do it whatever way he wants to do it. He may touch the heart of that person who gave you that deadline, and they may say, you know what? There's a way we can give you an extra 30 days. They may say, you know what? We can break that up in payments for you. You just don't know what God's going to do, but you have to operate in faith and trust that God is going to do it. However he comes, however he shows it. I shared a testimony on um, my social media page as I'm closing, and I was talking about a scenario. You know, last week we talked about the Holy Spirit, and when we were talking about the Holy Spirit, as I said, God really has showed me some things he wanted to do in me and change in me, and it was a tough message. I know, like, I see you guys crying during these messages, but you have to understand, I got to cry at home, like, for hours. Like, as God was telling me stuff and saying, I want you to do this, I'm just boo-hooing, and I'm crying, and I'm coming to my husband, and I'm like, God wants me to do this, and God must be, he's like, okay, it's all right, just calm down. It's going to be all right. But when you hear from God, I mean, I get, I just get, oh, 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 like, and, and it's just, okay, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. I'm going to walk you through this. I'm gonna walk, and that's where that anxiety comes because I'm just like, Lord, we, we want to be pleasing in your sight. That's the kind of Christians you sent to Excel Church. I was just bragging on you guys the other day. I said, I love Excel Church. These are people who love God. Amen. Every single person in this church, you love God. This is not a come play church type of place. This is not a come, let's hide, check the dot, say we were there, and go back to live in ratchet type of place. This is a place where you come, you hear from God, you pull on the anointing of God. He speaks to you, you leave, you apply what he says, and he does miraculous things in your life. This is the kind of church we have. And so it applies to me. And so when I left on that Sunday, God started giving me opportunities to walk in the Holy Spirit. I, I suppose as I talk to you guys in the Welcome Center, I can't wait to hear your testimonies as well. But what God did for me, which was so amazing, and I'll give you the small version, um, I had a scenario where I wasn't cooking that night, so I had ordered from a restaurant the kids' food and me and my husband's food. And so we're pescatarian, so I had got us the salmon, the broccoli, and the baked potato. And I got the kids the, um, the roast beef and the 
mashed potatoes and carrots. And so I ordered it, and the place was across from Walmart. So I said, okay, I got plenty of time. I'll go to Walmart. I'll run my errands, swoop up, pick up my food, go home. I had it all planned out. Well, it didn't go like that at all. And to summarize the story, I had already paid because I purchased it online. And when I got there, not only was it not ready, they didn't have something that I had ordered. And so I said, you know, that's kind of all I really wanted. And so they kept asking me, well, do you want something else? And I was like, no, I'm not trying to be difficult. I, I don't want anything else. I ordered what I wanted. Um, so I don't know what we're going to do. So they said, well, let me get the manager. So they were trying to get the manager. To summarize this story for you, I kid you not, 35 minutes have elapsed since I have arrived and they are spinning around trying to figure out what to do. Now, while this is happening, your retired lawyer is sitting there going, I can handle this real quick. Let me go up to the register. Let me tell them, just take off the price of the stuff that was missing. Give me my bags. Let me go. That, don't that sound like a logical solution? I mean, I just felt like this is a great solution. So I should just go to the register and tell them so I can go. Only problem was the Holy Spirit said, be quiet. <sighs> be quiet? Be quiet. Like as in don't say anything. <sighs> and I tell you that the instruction was okay for like the first 20 minutes. Right? Come on, let's just keep it real. But by the 25th minute, I'm like, quiet, quiet. And the Lord began to speak to me and he said, you didn't think this was going to be easy, did you? I'm training you how to be led by the Spirit. You no longer own yourself. You belong to me. You go where I go, you do what I say, and you don't say anything that I don't authorize you to say. It's really simple. The sooner we get this, the sooner you'll have to, you know, get off of this lesson and we can go on to something else. I said, all right. So by the 35th minute, I got myself together. I'm like, I can't say nothing, so I just got to sit here. So I'm just watching, and it's pathetic. I mean, it's awful. It's just absolutely awful. I've never seen anything like this before. And I share with the women in the women's group, I have the gift of administration. So this is really eating me up because my administrative gifts is like, all they need to do is this and this and this and this and this and this. Oh, Jesus, this is torture. Finally, the manager comes over to me after like, now we're at 40 minutes, and he says, ma'am, I'm really sorry about all of this. You've been here a very long time. We ran out of food. Um, I, he said, I'm new. Um, he said, let me just say this. Your order is on us. My eyes got really big. My order was $45, y'all. Now, mind you, I had the clever idea of going up there and telling them to take off what was missing, which would have might have been like $5, maybe. So the deal I was going to negotiate for myself, I was going to still be out of pocket $40. The deal the Holy Spirit was working out, huh, I wasn't going to pay anything, but I had to obey. 
said, we're paying for your meal. My eyes got really big. I said, the whole meal? And he said, yeah, you've been sitting here for long. He said, we're out of this. We're out of that. We ran out of containers. And then instantly I understood why the Holy Spirit took me through this. And I said to him, I said, I'm going to pray for you. I said, I'm so sorry that you're going through this. And I understood I'm here to pray for him. This man is like at nerve, like I saw the chaos. They had no containers, they had no food, they didn't place the orders. And I said, okay, Lord. He said, just give us a few minutes, we're gonna get your order together, we're gonna get you out of here and it's, it's on us. So while I'm waiting now, my posture's changed, I understand my assignment a little bit better. And now I'm sitting here and I'm praying for them. And then as I'm getting my stuff to leave, he says, and this is the part of the testimony that just lets me know how much God loves me. Uh, and he was just kind of kissing me and saying, you did good, you did good, I'm so proud of you. Because what he did as I was on my way out, and I'm thinking that it couldn't get any better, he says, do you like pumpkin spice? Now y'all know, y'all know how I feel about pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice tea, pumpkin spice shirts, pumpkin spice coffee, pumpkin spice. Pumpkin spice is my business. I love pumpkin spice. This man says, why don't you take a loaf of pumpkin spice bread on your way out? As I'm leaving, I'm just shaking my head and I'm just marveling at what God did. And I'm just like, God, you are amazing. You are just so absolutely amazing. And guess how I would have got to know none of that if I had to just did what I wanted to do and just went off at minute five? I wouldn't have known any of that. I would have had the pleasure of paying the extra $40, the pleasure of not having that pumpkin spice. Oh yeah, and the embarrassment of knowing I disappointed my father. And the shame that comes with that after you get home and you realize that you were totally out of order. And so I said all that to say that as we are walking this out, <laughs> as we are at this place now where we are being broken, and we're beginning to understand that, okay, yes, I'm being broken, but I'm broken for a purpose. God wants to pour me out. God wants to give me back out. He wants to allow me to use the, the things that I've gone through, the things that I've experienced, the tests and the trials and the tribulations, they are not in vain. But they are going to draw someone else to him. And because of us, they are going to know the bread of life. Do you understand how amazing that is? I've thought of him often and I've, I've even said to myself, I got to go back up there and check on him. But I'm, do you understand what it is like to get to the place where your life is no longer really your own? And you really commit, not just in Sunday, which is awesome. You guys are amazing. You serve in the nursery, you serve in the ushers, you serve on the, the greeters, you serve in the hospitality. I mean, that's wonderful. That's amazing. And God wants you to keep serving when you leave out of here. There are people that we are going to reach for his glory. People who may never come to Excel Church, and I'm okay with that. But people who will see in heaven. Amen? Crowns of jewels that you'll say, I, I remember, I, I told her about Jesus at Walmart. Hey, girl! Hallelujah! And if that doesn't excite you right now, I believe by faith there's a time coming where it will. Can I pray with you right now?
Oh, Jesus, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for you didn't have to include us in your work. I thank you that you're so powerful and you're so mighty and you could do it all on your own, but I thank you that you saw fit to allow us to be a part of your divine plan, to allow us to be your hands and to be your feet and to allow people to see Jesus in us. And so God, I'm asking you this morning that you would rise up in us in a way like we have not experienced you in a long time, that you would put back in us a hunger and a thirst for you, for your Holy Spirit, to walk by the power of your Holy Spirit and to experience everything that you desire to give us in this life. God, I know you have great plans for us. You said it in your word. You said you have plans for good and not for evil to bring us to an expected end. I know there's something greater for us. I know that my life is not supposed to be ordinary. I know that there's something that you want to do in me that is extraordinary. And I know that it will never happen until I completely put myself into your hands. I do that this morning. I surrender to you fully this morning. God, and I say, take this ordinary life, take this ordinary bread, make something amazing, use it for your glory, Father God. Even if you have to break it, bless our life, God. Bless it this morning. Break it for your glory and give it unto others that they might see you and that they might know you. Hmm. God, take this ordinary and let me experience your goodness. Let me experience you in every way. Let me be intimate with you. Let me walk with you. Let me hear you. Oh God, direct and order every step. Let everything I do be pleasing unto you, Father God. And give me the grace to be patient with myself as I go through this process. I come against self-doubt. I come against worry. I come against anxiety. I come against persecution that comes from the enemy. And I thank you right now, Father God, that I just put myself in your hands and I allow you to do the work at your own pace for your own glory. It's not for me, God, but it's for you. Do it for your glory. And I will give you and you alone the praise and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm excited. I'm excited.